Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fate's Wide Wheel. Dennis and Sam are coming at you straight from Project Quantum Leap here in Chicago, Illinois. Hello, everybody. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're here today to discuss Maybe Baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, directed by Michael Zinberg. This is his third of nine episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might remember him from episodes such as Good Morning Peoria and A Portrait of Troyan. He'll go on to direct a couple others that uh, we're pretty high on around here at Project Quantum Leap, including M.I.A. and Leap Home Part 2. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Um, our writers... That's right, we've got two this time around, are Paul Brown and Julie Brown. Mm -hmm. And that's right, your ears do not deceive you. They are indeed related, brother and sister. And of course, Julie Brown is actually in the episode as the character Bunny O'Hare, or we could also call her uh, Thelma Thelma Blue Dickey. That was her name. Yeah. 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 Uh, Paul Brown, though, actually wrote 11 episodes in total, and he was a producer on the show as well. So mm-hmm. uh, he, he was around quite a bit uh, in the conception of the show. He wrote Kamikaze Kid, Catch a Fallen Star, Good Night, sure. Dear Heart. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll go on to do more. Uh, our air date is April the 4th, 1990. Our leap date is March 11th, 1963. And Sam is leapt into Buster. That's all. We but don't know any other name. We don't know anything else Buster. right now, yeah. And uh, we're in Texas. Yeah. Sam, Scott Bakula, leaps into the reluctant sidekick of a kooky stripper, Julie Brown, who has taken a man's infant daughter, saying she wants to deliver the child to its mother across the state line. TV Guy kind of spoils the episode a little bit. You know, it does. Because you don't really find that out until probably like a third of the way uh, through. Do, yeah. Oh. That is... Uh, Damn you, TV Spoilers... Guy. That, and honestly, will you do me a favor? Will you sure. just read that again for me? Don't, sure. But this time, just don't say Sam. Like, just kind of read the, 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 the rest of it, if you will. Okay. Uh, leaps into the reluctant sidekick of a kooky stripper, Julie Brown, who has taken a man's infant daughter, saying she wants to deliver the child to its mother across the state line. I mean, I mean, that's just, that's a setup right there. Yeah. Like, he's a sidekick. To a kooky stripper. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine you'd never seen Quantum Leap before. You didn't know what it was about. You picked up your TV guide. You're flipping through. And you're like, huh. Kooky stripper. Sure. That, I'll check this one out. They steal a baby. Wow. All right. Road trip across Texas. Let's go. <laughs> you know, one TV guide copywriter got one person, got at least one person hooked on Quantum Leap and made a lifetime fan by writing a copy of this one. If you are that one fan <laughs> or that TV guy copywriter, send us a message at Fates Wide Wheel. Facebook, oh, Twitter. <laughs> dude, I would absolutely interview a TV guy copywriter. <laughs> I would bring him or her on this show just to say, why? No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I'm horrible. I'm a horrible... <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Seriously, though, I mean, you, you got to think that. Do they? I would add, the question I would want to ask. Sure. Do you write this based on the synopsis that you're given by the studio? 
Yeah, or to someone you, within the studio. Or, right, right. Send and, the studio, and then you just do, like, a little tweaking. To, right, exactly. You know, punch up the pros a bit. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm on tilt tonight. Anyway. No, it's uh, all good. So, uh, so Sam leaps into to Buster, and he does He's on the roof. He is on the roof. He has a basket, and a woman is waving at him to bring that basket down the ladder to the truck yep. that is that is waiting for them. And they he brings it down, puts it in the bed of the truck, mm-hmm. and of course, uh, Bunny is just like, oh, what are you doing? You know, sure. you, you crazy boy, you. She grabs the basket, brings it into the truck with them, and that's when Sam realizes it's a baby. Yeah. Says, oh boy. Yeah. Actually, I mean, this week we get a little bit more of an extended... Con- we get more of an extended conversation yeah. here. She's like, I could just kiss you all over for doing this, whatever. Right. She, like, jumps over and, like, starts kissing him. That's what wakes the baby yeah. up. Pulls it out. He says, oh boy. She's like, no, no, no I, I told, told you. you. It's a girl. It's a girl. Yeah. And then... And then the opening... And then... And then we get the opening credits. Yes, indeed. Uh... So Bunny is played by Julie Brown, who again, as we mentioned, is the sister of Paul Brown, the writer of the episode. Um, Julie Brown had quite a career playing, um, you know, kooky stripper character. No, not all strippers, but uh, but you know, this was kind of in her wheelhouse, I suppose. Sure. Uh, she also at one point was an MTV VJ. Um, which for those of you that don't know, MTV did actually one time show music videos and they had, um, they had VJs instead of DJs because you see DJs was uh, short for disc jockey Mm -hmm. because if you played records on the radio discs, jockey, you're slinging them, you know, so they were video jockeys. Mm. Yeah, how much I more never, patronizing can I be? But anyway, I, ne- I never made the connection. Yeah, <laughs> what a pedant I no, am. It, it, it's but, interesting. Uh, when, when I was a kid, like uh, I didn't watch much of MTV or everything, but like even like watching this episode for the first time, like I knew like oh, Julie Brown is somebody, like she's a special guest star. Like she right. is like she has done other things beyond that. Like she is a known entity. I mean, she just, just came off of playing of Candy Pink in Earth Girls Are Easy, and so here she is. I mean. <laughs> Yes. We're going to learn that her name is Bunny O'Hare. Yes. Bunny O'Hare, not O'Hara. Right. Bunny Bunny O'Hare. Yeah. The stripper. Although a couple of times it does almost sound like the characters are saying O'Hara. It does. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm Especially the the, the skeevy guy in the kids' toy store when they're buying the car seat. Uh, yeah. I think he might say O'Hara. That anyway. Guy. So anyway, so we come back from a commercial break. We get some great music in this episode. We do get some great uh, music. In this so episode. we come back and a couple of uh, Buddy Holly tunes. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, my boyfriend's back is playing. Sam has a, a, a funny monologue to himself in here where he feels like this is Bonnie and Clyde. And a, baby. and a baby, and he says, "Bonnie, uh, bunny." Yeah, and this is when he starts questioning, like, what, what exactly are they doing? Right, and so, bunny, obviously, immediately is just sort of like, well, you know, we're stealing my daughter. So, my uh, daughter, you know, we're going to take her to her aunt, Annie Christie, in New Mexico, so she can be safe. Aunt we're, Margaret, Aunt Christie's Margaret. the baby. Yeah, Christie's baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Aunt Margaret Christie is the baby, and we also learn that Buster and Bunny have only known each other for a couple of weeks. They've packed a lot into those two weeks, Dennis. They ha- don't hey, judge them. I'm not. I'm not saying <laughs> things. Things can get very intense. Yeah. In, in, in a high stress, I mean, death he, situation. He stood at the foot of the bed in his boxers and sang "Maybe Baby." We, we learned that. Yes. 
I know. I'm just, and you know, there, you know, you bond very quickly in situations like this, like we learned in the 1995 movie Speed. That's right. <clears throat> anyway, um, um, so from here we cut to. What is his name? Reed Dalton. Reed Dalton. I wrote down something else, and I'm going to come back later on why I wrote that down. Uh, we come to Reed Dalton. Yep. This is where we learn that Bunny O'Hare is the stripper, and I'm going to do this. I always bring this up. I always feel like annoying you. This is the house. We've seen this house. <laughs> this is the house from the Leap Home. This is the house from a single drop of rain. This is their country house. The go-to country house. This is their go-to country house. Um, one other thing I want to mention real quick is that uh, we, we forgot to mention this. When they're driving off at the top of the episode, Reed does poke his head out. So Reed has seen we, we them have actually been, yeah. leave. You know, yeah. He's seen the truck and everything. So now he's there with the cops. You know, again, he's he's he basically alludes to the fact that like we we dated for a week or when I was lonely, my sure. wife died, you know, a year ago or whatever. Wow. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, it's interesting though because the scene is played fairly straight. Like he does seem pretty adamant about like we have to go get my you know, but I don't know. It's it's the 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 episode does a very good job of playing with. The narrative, mm-hmm. like who's telling the truth here, whose stakes are, are, are real, sure. you know that sort of stuff. I think that the honesty tends, ends up being kind of a bit of a theme of the episode. In, sure, in, in a way. I mean, I mean, it certainly does set up this idea: like, can Bunny be taken for her word? Is Sam doing the right thing by kidnapping this right baby, or is 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 he not? Yes. And even in the previous scene, like he has a moment where, like, in a voiceover, like he feels like this must be what what he is here to do. Right. And we've talked about this before in previous episodes, like especially in in Freedom, like sometimes Sam's motivation to believe that a certain thing should be done sometimes seems nebulous. But sometimes, like, if you have forward momentum, yeah, like if you've leaped into the situation and this is what's already happening, you kind of lean into it and trust that whoever leaped you in... Yes is taking care of you and, and set you up to do the thing that you're supposed to do. Right. Like, like you're not going to be set up to fail in other words, yeah. you know, like, like they, they, there is, there is a, in his experience so far anyway, clearly he has always leapt into a situation where the people around him for the most part that he's like with to like help are good people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like he's ever leapt into someone and the woman on his right is a murderer. You know what I mean? Sure. So at this point, it seems natural that, yeah, he would, of course, want to believe Bunny. Plus, it's just Sam, right? I mean, Sam's not going to... Sure. You know. um, we should also mention, real quick, that uh, Reed Dalton is played by Charles Frank. Okay. Uh, long career television film. Mm-hmm. He was in The Right Stuff. He was on a few soap operas. Mm-hmm. He has a very soap opera look. He was in a couple episodes of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, for whatever that's worth. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that, again, Sam seems to be um, willing to trust her. Sure. The flip side of that is that the police officer, the sheriff, is willing to trust Reed. To yeah. the point where it's like, yeah, okay. Like, brings him along. Yeah. In the car to go after them. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna go. Yeah. We're gonna go. And this is... Uh, <clears throat> They, they throw the nickname at him, Gotta Go Joe, later on, but the... the oh, the, yeah, the... Tiny? The, I mean, t- I'm tiny, sorry, yeah. I'm horrible. No, no, no. 
that that very well could have been his nickname in the episode. I, I, think, I think they somebody uh, did call but, him that. But yeah. but the larger yeah, but the but the larger uh but the larger sheriff's deputy. So anyway, they're on the go, they're gonna chase after him. And this is where we cut to the hotel. We get two or three establishing shots of this hotel yeah. through this sequence. The Gunslinger Hotel. The Gunslinger Hotel. I love that. And at the beginning of every establishing shot, there is the same sound effect of the semi-truck driving by. <laughs> at every, least it's not the murder me van. At least it's not. <laughs> but, but, there are stretches in this episode, we are driving down Murder Road. Yeah. We're driving down that stretch of desert that they drove down in Freedom, <clears throat> that, 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 that the murder van drove down in Another Mother. You know, it's something that I did not, for whatever reason, I didn't really think about, but this is like kind of our third like road episode, almost. It is. In it we last had, not in a row, but because we had maybe Baby, we sure. had Freedom, and we had um, Her Charm. Yeah. All three of those are kind of like road episodes. For sure. Yeah. I would say maybe from a budget standpoint, they do lend themselves well. I mean, like, you do get some establishing shots, but you get a lot of shots in this episode where it's clearly they are on a set. Right. You know, and they're... Well, yeah. I think, you know, the other thing is, too, is just thinking about the, like, the extras and and other actors. Like, after Leap Home, you got to figure... Leap Home, my God, leaping in without a net... One track mine right now. I'm just sure. wanting to get there. <laughs> third season premiere. Third season, yeah. Anyway, um, in Leaping In Without a Net, you have a fairly big cast. You have like multiple locations, etc. Whereas in this, yeah, a lot. You, you got to figure that most of the shooting of this episode basically was the two of them in the truck or the hotel room. Yeah, you know the thing is like they they trick you into thinking that there's a big cast in Leaping In Without a Net because there are a couple of scenes where we where we yeah. see them. But for the most part, it's just the family. Sure. And we get some establishing shots and whatever, but there's only a couple scenes where the... the well, they're professionals. Yeah, yeah where, where they know all, how to create a world. Where they're all, where they're all there. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. Uh, so, now they're in the hotel. They're in the... Yeah, they're in the hotel. Uh, Bunny, Bunny is, carry, is carrying around Because she's baby. taking a shower because the baby... Toddler, they think the yeah. baby's sick. Yeah. That's right, yes. Uh, carry around... You know, because she's carrying... Christine around, she's topless, so we get the gag. She's not just topless, she's, she's naked. Is she? She's just naked. I just thought she was just nah, topless. She's okay. naked. Anyway, so we get the gag of like Sam being modest and not looking at her, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, so she's going to run out and she's going to try to get some medicine for, for Christine. Not medicine, yeah. milk. Milk, that's she's it, right, milk, yeah, 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 yeah. going to go get some milk, because they have this interplay of like, oh yeah, like, <clears throat> did you grab milk? What did you grab milk? Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Um, and she hand, and handing the baby off. Sam is very reluctant to take the baby, and she has a line taking care of a baby. It's as easy as falling off a bicycle. Then there's this cute little interplay, and she's like, "Oh, Buster, you're just so." Well, there's also that's this, not Julie Brown's voice, but that's my yeah. But there's also this uh, moment too where Bunny is basically like castigating Sam because she's like, "You told me that you raised your brothers right, and sisters, yeah. you know," and you know, and, and Sam's like, like, "I've never." Uh, yeah. And you you forget. And she's like, "Oh, come on!" It's like that's when she says the thing about falling off a bike or whatever. And there's a yeah. cute moment, and eventually she's like, "I'll be back." And she leaves. She takes off, and and now yeah. it's all up to Sam to take care of the and baby. Whatever. So you know, uh, I thought about you last night. Oh boy. Watching this scene because you have a little one on the way. Do you have a lot of experience with babies? Um, I, no. I mean, I'm not going to say yes because what constitutes a lot of experience? Like I've, I have, I have three nephews. Um, you know, I've, I've spent time with all of them when they were infants. Um, you know, I, 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 
I tend to be told that I'm that I'm good with babies. Sure. Ask me that at like four o'clock in the morning on my third day with two hours of sleep, and I, you know, I might think that I don't know anything about babies. Sure. Um, so, so I don't want to say, yeah, I know all about babies. But I'm just saying, like, I mean, let, let's take it from a base level. Yeah. Sam. Yeah. Beckett. Yep. <clears throat> he like, she starts crying. Yeah. And he's not even comfortable picking her up. No. Like there's like there's this like the you know the, the sight gag of like trying to rock her by literally picking the yeah, corner the, the and mattress up yeah. <laughs> and lifting her up and down. So I guess like my base level question is are you even comfortable holding an infant? Absolutely. Okay. I have done that many times. Okay. There are pictures of me doing okay. that. Okay, because uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> there is social media proof. because uh, before my son was born, I had held a couple of babies, but even like I I had never held a baby younger than maybe three months old. Okay, okay. At the time, like, I had never held an infant, infant, like a newborn. So I was terrified. Sure. Going into it the first time. There's one of those days, like, um, to be honest, the first two or three days, like, you're in a hospital, you don't get to hold the, the child very much. Yeah. At all, because it's, uh, yeah. Right, um, right, right. But, uh... I was surprised at how how quickly it felt natural. Yeah, like I was very terrified because I never handled a baby that young, and then you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you just kind of got more used to it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as far as like, what are you supposed to do with the baby? You know, carrying like you said, like four o'clock in the morning, and it's been crying for three hours, and you can't figure it out. Right. Right. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've not, I've not been, I've not been around for that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that part of it. But yeah. I, I no, like uh, both of um, uh, Jess's maid of honor has two sons, and um, I, I held both of them like within a couple of days of their birth. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, holding a newborn, I can, I've done that before. Yeah. Okay, but it is, but it, but it is interesting in the context of the episode seeing Sam, who you know is a doctor and 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 has sure. you know. Um, had had a little sister, right? Had a little sister. Um, mm-hmm. Although they're what, like three, four years apart, maybe something like that. Yeah. yeah so you're not really, eh, yeah. But but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but it does it does make for some comedic moments, and then of course the baby ends up being for on sure. him. Uh, so then we get shirtless Sam walking around for a while, which sure. kind of, Jess had, was not watching these episodes with me actually, cause she was busy doing a couple of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but she came in at that particular point and she's like, why, why is he shirtless holding a baby? It's <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, because they love getting Scott Bakula shirtless as, as much and as possible. And why wouldn't they? So this is, yeah. He looks good. Yeah. So this is where we get the, the one, uh, the one shot yep, of the mirror shot. episode, the mirror shot. And Sam doesn't think highly of Buster. And this is what, watching it last night, I actually posted this on, on Twitter and our Facebook, like, because we had this moment, uh, a similar moment yeah. in, uh, in Goodnight, Dear Heart, right. where, you know, um, Norman, Norman? Norman. Norman. I can't remember his name. Melvin. Melvin. Melvin Spooner. It. Melvin Spooner uh, it was a little bit on the bigger side, and, and, and Sam makes a comment, you know, like... When it comes to other men, Sam's a bit of a fat shamer. <laughs> you know, here's the thing: I I did not take it as him fat shaming Buster. Maybe I fat- took it. I took it more as in like, wow, Buster's a real intimidating looking dude. If I was a little kid, I'd be scared of him too. I think he actually used the word Neanderthal. Does he? Yeah. Because he makes some comments like, "Well, no wonder you're crying because you got this Neanderthal holding you." Yeah. Well. 
Yeah. I think yeah, he, but... he pointed out they had a gold tooth and No, that happens later. That he doesn't say that he doesn't say that. That happens with one of the other guys describing him. Oh, okay, got yeah. it. Okay. Uh but uh so yeah. Anyway, um this is when Al shows up. Yep. And and Sam points out that well, no, Sam, Al shows up and first points out, was like, well, no, actually, Christine sees you as you. Yeah. And that she can also see Al, and this is where we point out, like, yeah, yeah, kids. Kids, animals. Kids, animals, and... Blondes with an IQ who, very, very low. Oh, and it's just like, oh, oh, Al. And even Sam's like, stop it, not in front of the baby. You, you are a retired rear admiral. You work at a top-secret government project... Why are you intimidated by strong women? I mean, I was about ready to say, can we blame it on the POW camp? But that seems in very poor taste. That so. it does, yeah. So, that's, <laughs> yeah. so you know... Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is where we... Because, uh-huh. because of something we're going to learn in two episodes. So it's okay. That's why, Dennis. Okay, all that's right. Why. That's why. That's <laughs> why. All right. Uh, this is where we learn that Bunny's real name is Thelma Lou Dickey. Dickey, yep. Um, she had worked at a Girls A Go-Go lounge. Buster was a bouncer. Yep. And and that's how... God, it sounds like we just fucking wrote a country song. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's just it, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, cat making a special cat appearance. Cat making appearance, yeah. Um, we, we could. I'm not. We no, could, no. yeah, we could write a country song, um, and so this is where we get some discussion about diapers. Sam's asking about disposable diapers, and Al made a com- makes a comment that they're terrible they're, for the environment. They're terrible they're for the environment. Been, yeah. This is where we, uh, so Dean Stockwell wasn't still alive. Is an ad, avid environmentalist. Yes, and so this is a little bit of I think of uh, Dean Stockwell getting written in, getting written yep. in the character. This will come back to play in the next episode. Uh, sea Bride, there's another moment where Al goes on a little bit of an environmentalist rant. Well, I mean, hey, the episode aired around Earth Day, so... So... Um, it, just, it makes exactly. sense to it me. It does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we get this cute little moment of, of Christy being upset and Al peeling off his shoe and his sock. Sock, and, yeah. And making a... Making a thing, and when Sam... Jokes about being before, poor. He was like, yeah, like, hey, in the orphanage, we just didn't, yeah. Yeah. Um... It doesn't really work, though, does it? Does it work? I can't remember if it works or not. Uh, I can't remember. I, mean, I think it happens a little bit. Like, first he tries to, like, like he tries to shine, like, the handling lights on her, and that... Oh, yeah, that doesn't noise work. Yeah. Her. And I think that, that may calm her. Although, apparently, we get to see a word on the handlink, which is the word enter. We do, yes. Yeah. We do. Yeah, Matt's book, like, he points out, like, this episode of Leaping Without a Net, like, sometimes we get a couple of... Uh, Shots yeah. of the, the front of the hand. Like, like, yeah. yeah, like spinning out words. I, I've said this before. I said it again, not a popular opinion. This is my favorite version of the hand. Like, hey, man, I get it. I like the clear Lego blocks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we also get the information here that um, Bunny and Reed were never married mm-hmm. and that Christy is not Bunny's daughter. Absolutely. And that there's um, a 75.6% chance Sam is here to return Christy to Reed. Exactly. Um, which is interesting because it's not that's not high compared to what we usually get from Ziggy. So I thought that that was kind of an interesting number. Mm, okay, usually we're getting stuff in the high eighties, low nineties. For sure, you know. Yeah, um, I will say it is of note. We are two episodes in a row where Sam is not there to stop someone from getting murdered. Nice. We're three episodes in a row. Pull yeah. Hall Blues. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's not there to solve a murder. He's not there to stop anyone from getting murdered. That's very true. Although, I mean, leaping in without a net, he is there to stop somebody from dying. Yeah, but that's different from murder. That is different. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. It is. But I'm just saying to, I guess, that this is not a strictly life or death kind of issue here. Absolutely. But yes. Sure. I get where you're coming from. So, yes. um, so Bunny gets back. Al is, yeah, saying that in the original history, Bunny and Buster were arrested for kidnapping. Christy was returned to Reed. Did that um, in 20 years? Yeah. Sam is adamant that he believes, uh... Bunny's story. Yeah, he, he makes a comment, he was like, you know, like, she she knows the baby, like, she knows what the baby likes. I saw it the, in her eyes. Yeah, I saw it in her eyes, and that's when Al has the line, like, yeah, but she knows what I like, too, and that doesn't make me her, that doesn't make her my mother. Oh, <sighs> God, Al. And this is right after, of course, he's been ogling her, because he's like, yeah, I'll bet you saw it in her eyes. Yes. Or it's not your eyes that you were looking at, or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Um. So Al ends up taking off, and this is when Sam kind of you know, starts to interrogate yeah. Bunny a little bit. So, two points on that. I I just thought it was interesting, and I'm sure uh, that this was just a very nice set dressing detail. In the background, in, in this shot, in this scene, there's just a sign on a table that says, Have you forgotten any personal property? <laughs> that's right by the door. Nice. Uh, and I'm just going to trust that that's an actual, like, true detail. Like, back in the day, they actually had those kind of signs. Totally. In those, those hotel rooms, and... Yeah, I just found that interesting. I like it. Uh, also interesting, we, we get this a lot at this point, uh, the positioning of the imaging chamber door, it comes at a point where Al has been walking back and forth across, and then he just pops up the door and he leaves. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't really respect the uh, like the physical space of, like, if he's been walking around this space, the imaging chamber door should be off, like, somewhere where he's not. Because, like, the way he's been walking back and forth across the room, in theory, like, yeah. if, that, if, if the door appears where he goes out of it, he's been walking in and out of the imaging chamber. So let me, let me, let me, let me tell you my fan wank yeah, on this it, one. Yeah. So, Star Trek, Next Generation, sure, gave us a device called the holodeck. Okay. So my thought is that the imaging chamber is very similar to the holodeck, in so much as holodeck is only so big. However, when someone is in the holodeck, you could basically walk like 20 miles. Mm-hmm. And that's because the floor moves. Okay. So when we see Al moving, he's moving, but the floor is moving as well. So that the room might not be that big. So in other words, he's like, in essence, he's walking on like a treadmill, if you will. Got it. Okay. That's not really a treadmill, but you know what I mean. Okay. Here's my... So that the door sure. is kind of always in the same relative position... To wherever Al is standing. To where he needs to be. Here's my alternate fan wake, my counter fan wake to that. Please. As much as Ziggy screws up and goes on the fritz, if that were true, we would have a lot of moments of Al just like floating across the room. Of just like the treadmill just going off, boom, slamming him into a wall. Sure. Well, Um, but perhaps it's only moving when he's moving. Maybe. I don't know. One of the one of the novels, it kind of addresses this incongruity by throwing out the idea that the door doesn't really exist. Like, there is, obviously, there's a door to the imaging chamber, mm-hmm. but the door as we see it in the episodes doesn't really exist. It's more of, um, basically, it's a more of a thing to give Sam more of a sense of continuity. Like, instead of just Al always disappearing, there's yeah. a physical door that Al goes in and out of to give Sam basically peace of mind. 
Okay. But that contradicts other moments in the series, especially a moment we're going to see later in the series where it is a physical door, and when you go through it, you are yeah. standing in the control room of Project Quantum Leap. Right, 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 right. Huh, well. But anyway. TV. Yes, but uh, but uh, <laughs> this is where we get the more interesting part of the scene. So, so Al leaves, and like you said, Sam starts to interrogate yeah. Bunny, and then we get this uh, a really heavy moment in what's pretty a light episode for the most part. Yeah. But it comes to a point where Sam is interrogating her so much, she starts to think... Well, because he does grab her. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, it's not... And it's not in, like, a... Not in, like, a... You know, forceful manner, but he does kind of grab a hold of her. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, but... As a result of that, she retreats very clearly and almost starts crying, just like, you know, please don't. Please don't hit me. She's convinced, yeah. She's convinced that he's going to hit her. Hit her, yeah. And I don't think Buster has ever hit her. No. It's just that her which previous is, relation, yes. Which is all but confirmed by some later discussion that we get in the episode, mm-hmm. um, that he's never hit her. But that, yeah, but she's afraid that, that, that you know, he's going to now. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Anyway, to to lighten up off of that, we this hotel room has a wonderful wagon wheel headboard. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. You know, <clears throat> I it, luckily it's fresh enough in my mind that I can see it. So mm-hmm. yes, I know I now know what you're talking about. But no, I did not catch it in the moment. Yes, because um, like, because in this very serious moment, she backs up and retreats against uh, the the wagon wheel headboard. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I was reminded of the the argument over the wagon wheel coffee table in When Harry Met Sally. Yes. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <clears throat> I promise you, I will never want that wagon wheel coffee table. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, the it's I, I, two two things here that we kind of glossed over that are important is that she admits that she lied. Yes. Um, but that she wants to get the baby to New Mexico to where her real mother is. Yes. Sam doesn't believe her. Um, and then, you know, basically there's, you know, Bunny divulges that when Reed had found out that she'd been communicating with the mother, that's when he started threatening and hitting her, um, and that her father used to hit her, uh, her mother, and then he started hitting her, and she just doesn't want the same thing to happen to Christy. So in other words, she's seen a man abuse the mother, and then go on to abusing the child. Yeah. So she's trying to spare Christy the same fate. All of this is extremely poignant and incredibly relevant, and there are a you know number, obviously, of resources that are out there that unfortunately don't get taken advantage of enough because we hear far too many stories about people that are in these situations. Um, and obviously, if you ever find yourself in the situation, get out and know that it's easier said than done. I know firsthand that it's easier said than done. Get out. Um, that said, for the purposes of the episode, it it ends up taking a little bit of a back seat, mm-hmm. no pun intended, because what really ends up being the, the thrust of the episode is the battle over whether or not Sam can trust her or believe what she's telling him. Sure. Which is unfortunate in a way, and it almost dovetails nicely with what we were talking about with Leaping In Without a Net. You have an episode that contains these elements about grief... 
which are never really handled in any way other than an impetus for the plot to be rolling. Mm-hmm. And they kind of handle this abuse in the same way. Sure. And I agree completely with what you said. This particular moment is really well done. And and it it's just kind of a shame that it doesn't get a little bit more of the spotlight that it deserves. Not that this needs to be a message episode about abuse. Not that they sure. need to, you know, to, to go... And, and just that that be the whole point, but it's just is kind of interesting that it ends up being more. It's it's a plot device. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, if you like I said, without beating you over the head, it does break it apart. And we were talking about this off mic before we started recording. Like I didn't really think about it watching it last night, but like thinking about it today, it's like there is this this thing of Bunny has been trained that she has to lie. Yeah. To get men to do what she needs to do. Yeah. Let's go ahead and like jump ahead and, and spoil the ending. Like, uh, Bunny is not her daughter. Bunny was not even her babysitter, which she posits at one point. Buddy just dated Reed for a little bit. Yeah, knows the real story. Wanted to return Christy to her birth mother, and so she already has a very noble cause. Yeah, but she feels. She has to lie. Yeah. She feels she has to heighten it to Christy being her daughter for Buster to believe her right. and want to do it. So it's just an interesting commentary. You know, she is a stripper, so she's to not be too stereotypical. Like, she's prone to abuse, probably prone to sexual abuse. She's probably been abused at various points, obviously, throughout her life. And so it's. It's an interesting commentary that she's a, a she has to be a liar just to get people to do what she wants. Yeah. Even when her cause is already a good cause. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. That's a very very good point. And I do think that I, I'm not trying to say that that aspect of the story gets short shrift by any means. I do think that having this moment in in the motel especially with what you just said, Mm -hmm. I think you're right. There are enough moments throughout the rest of the episode that work with maybe the subtleties of this without making it too overtly about the abuse. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's better for that. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it, it, it felt like, it felt to me that it happens here and then we just move on to the next thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really play much with the rest of the episode. Sure. For what it's worth. Yeah. It's whether you wonder, like, in the longer script, like, how much more they dive into it, and they got to get it down. <clears throat> right. But well, that said, it does it does, it does does position Bunny as, as a pretty noble character, mm-hmm. quite frankly, you know, yeah. who, who had some rough shit come her way, and now she's trying to do the right thing by getting this baby out of a similar situation, yeah. which she fears would be a similar situation to what she grew up in. Sure. Um... So this is where we cut to a scene. We cut back to Reed, Reed yeah, and the sheriff. The sheriff. This is where we're on the murder road. This is where we're on the murder road from another mother. Um, uh, so yeah, they're 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 still on the search. Then we cut yeah. to the next day. This is when we are in the toy store, which we talked about earlier. This is where the man recognizes recognizes Bunny. Right. Well, at this point, um, it hasn't Al also, uh, or no, Al is about ready to. He's stop. about he's yeah. about to okay. he's about to show up and, and say yeah. Like he does not trust Bunny, and it turns out Bunny has done a hard time 
which is reform juvie. school. Yeah, yeah. Because in the orphanage, they thought of reform school. And Al time. also drives home the point that Bunny's mother is dead. Yes. That 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 that. There's no way that Bunny, yeah. that Bunny's taking the baby to her mother because her real mother is dead. Yeah. Um, which you know Sam doesn't believe that. Yeah. All the while, while Bunny's looking at the Barbie dolls because she wants Christy to have a Barbie because every girl needs you know. Sure, a playmate. You know, she was an only child. Which Sam was like, "I thought you said you had sisters." And she's like, "Well, what I mean is, she was my half sister, and it sometimes it felt mm-hmm. like a, so." You know, yeah. so again, she's just planting all the you know, sowing all these seeds of doubt. At this point, we also see the cop car pull up. Sure, Sam realizes they need to get out of there. Al's like, "Turn yourself in." You know, just this is all will be over with. But Sam yeah. refuses. They escape at the back. Out the back, Sam uses some of Bunny's money to buy this hot rodder's car. Yeah, because we, yeah, third fastest car in town. I give you two hundred. Nah, I couldn't let it go for two hundred. <clears throat> two ten sold. And he goes and buys an ice cream cone. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, uh, literally, he goes to buy an ice cream cone. Like I, I don't know if you're aware, if you're listening to this and haven't seen the episode, but he literally goes and buys an ice cream cone. The dude that sells him the car is then standing there. As they they're like tearing off at the sheriff's car is tearing off after an them, and they're just driving, <laughs> and he has an ice cream cone in his hand. That's he an has an ice cream that's cone a, in his that's hand. That's an ice. And this is where we get the gold tooth thing because the store owner's describing the guy's ah, way. Okay, and, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. looked like he had shaved in a few days and you yeah. know, had a gold tooth and that, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and so we're on the road. This is where the the, the shot of, of the hot rod car driving down the desert. Like this is where. Uh, a shot that's used a lot in the opening credits throughout the rest of the series is that yeah. hot rod car. There's actually another, there's there's two scenes from this episode in particular that get used quite a bit. Okay. We'll get oh, to, well, yeah, we'll get, yeah, we'll get to the other one. One other thing I want to mention real quick, though, that I think is important to the plot is that Sam urges Al to have Ziggy check on the name Margaret Dalton in Clayton, New Mexico. Yes, that will come back to play. Right, and I think that that's, it's a really nice little thing that's dropped in. Uh, because Al, of course, is like, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing, sure. like, there must be, keep keep working on it. Yeah. Al takes off, they're driving down the road, like you said. Um, yeah. So this is, uh, as they're driving down the road, Christy is coughing more, and this is where Sam diagnoses that she is asthmatic. Yep. And so they, they, they go off to the vet. So they can find some bull sperm. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> That was a nice fun line. And basically, we are basically in Doc's house from how the test was won. We really are. In this in this scene. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. We're basically there. there there's, there's a nice little exchange uh, between between Julie Brown and, and the, the farmer. And the, the man. Yeah. Nice pig. Yeah. Nice baby. It was just, yeah. Yeah. It was a cute little scene. Uh, and then Sam goes off to talk to the vet. like you know, Tries to get some epinephrine for the baby. Yeah. And, and, and the vet is limited what... I gave it to the bloodhound. Yeah, yeah. So here, and I'm jumping ahead, but if you're listening to the show, you, you've seen all the episodes probably. Uh, we get a nice, <clears throat> um, there's a nice sound effect in this scene. We hear the goat. Yeah. We hear the goat from upcoming episode. Yeah. Because it's, it's stuck. I was like, whoa, yeah. That sounds exactly like... Yeah, it stuck out at me very, uh, very we, well. We also get the moment I alluded to just a minute ago where Sam picks up a jar, and he's got this jar in his hand, and the vet looks at him and says, Be careful, that's bull, bull sperm. sperm. Yeah. 
And Sam, the way Sam just kind of puts it down, it's just like this sort of like, of course it is. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was a nice little subtle, because like, yeah, it wasn't played over top, but oh, just be careful, that's false part. Yeah, be careful. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we hear, uh, I think, uh, a horse or a cow outside. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like, I've got to go, you know, my, my patients are waiting. Call. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sam turns around and sees the coffee, mm-hmm. um, which is funny, because I don't know if it's because I've seen this episode. It has to be has to be, but immediately in my brain I was like, oh right, of course, the caffe- the coffee the caffeine and the coffee will do the stimulant it'll do the same thing, Yeah, especially for a baby because it'll, sure. you know, work stronger and, 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 and like I knew and I was just like, is it because I've seen this episode that I knew that that was physiologically the reason why, or is it because some somewhere else along the way like you that got that put into my brain or whatever yeah. um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. He, so they put the coffee in a bottle and, mm-hmm. you know, of course Bunny's like, we're gonna we're gonna give a baby coffee. Why not just give her a cigarette and but what else did she say? A cigarette and something. And a shot of something. Yeah. Oh, a shot of Jack Daniels. Shot of whiskey. Yeah. yeah shot give of, her yeah. a cigarette and a shot of whiskey. Yeah. So uh, this is where we, we we find out how how Buddy and Buster met, and this is where we find out uh, maybe maybe baby maybe yeah. baby maybe baby maybe baby is playing during this and like the, the scene it's their of, song of, yeah. yeah of. of Buster standing at the end of the bed in his boxer shorts. After the first time they made L O V E. At the first, yes. Because she doesn't want to say it in front of the baby, so she spells it out. Yes. Yeah. Because that's that's how that works. I will say, as a tangent, years ago I was in a show twice. I was in the original. I was in one production. I was in a remount mm-hmm. of of a show where I played a character named Buster who had amnesia. The first scene was just like right after him and this woman had sex. I was just in my boxers. It was this weird film noir-ish kind of thing. It was a really messed up show. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway. I had a similar... I didn't play a character named Buster, though. But I had a similar experience. Of being on stage in my boxers. Yeah. After having made L-O-V-E. Yeah. To a woman. Yeah. And it was Yeah. It was a performance base in a basement. It was cold. It was dank. Yeah. To jump back to... uh, uh, how I Met Your Mother from, <laughs> from last week's episode. You know that, that one episode where uh, I can't remember Allison Hannigan. Lily? Yeah, we're Lily. Yeah, we're Lily's yeah. in the play in that black box theater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was one of those plays. Oh, uh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Uh, anyway. Those mammals, things, it happens. What are you going to do? The mammals, Bob Fisher. Anyway, so uh, they're driving and we get to nighttime at this point? It's nighttime, yeah. yeah um, you know, they, they drive by the saloon, um, which you can see, just briefly enough, amateur talent night. Sure. You know, prize. Uh, Sam, you know, is, is asking about how far it is. They have this cute moment where she's like, one nail, e- or two nails equals 40 miles. And there's a pause, and Sam's like, so one nail equals 20 miles. And she's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> I see what you did. Yeah. yeah. And then it's just like, so this is a nail and a half. And he's like, so that's about 30 miles. And she's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, we need to get gas. And she's like, okay. She reaches into her purse. We're busted. All I've got is a diamond and a chiclet. I'll split it with you. Yeah. And he's like, you've got to stop lying to me. And she's like, I didn't lie. I just overestimated. And yeah. it's like, ah. Yeah. Um, she flashes back on the talent thing. And sure. they're like, I know how we'll get the money. Next thing we know... Where did she get all the balloons? I'm sure they just had them in a thing in the back. Okay. Or she kept them. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. No, here's the thing. So as Betsy and I were watching this last night, we were debating. Julie Brown is clearly wearing a bra right. in this scene yes. underneath all of the balloons. Yes. And so when I pointed that 
out and how that might be a goof. Betsy thought, well, maybe it's like it's not like it's not like a strip strip show. It's not like like when the, all the balloons are popped, you're actually going to see her topless. Yeah, it's like a burlesque. Yeah, like, yeah. But I actually thought like no, like the idea more is like yeah, you were going to see her topless, but just for the point of like a TV show and they're shooting this quickly, they had her in a ball. Right, right, right. I don't know. I I I, I guess. My argument against that being the case would be that because we see the... I'm not talking about when the balloons are still inflated and everything. We kind of glimpse the bra. But when they're all popped, we literally see that she's in the bra. bra. Okay. So I feel like it was more just like a... Supposed to be like a burlesque act. Well, I mean, mean, it also occurred to me, it's just like... It it was amateur night. Talent show. Yeah, Not 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 everybody was stripping. Right, right. She clearly, yes. She still wins. Yeah. They get the $50, so they're yeah. going to go. Everything's going to be great, except... Except... Well, before that, before the the bad stuff in the scene happens, Al shows up, and, and Sam just nonchalantly, yeah, yeah, it's one of 50 bucks, like, she's stripped. Oh, and Al, she's stripped! Yeah. She's stripped! I I'm the it. observer. And, then, and this... Should have been here to observe that. Like, we know, because, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're fans and several years removed from the show, that Al is the project observer. Yeah. And actually, in all of the scripts, Al is written as the observer. The observer, yeah. Maybe in Honeymoon Express, that term was actually thrown out. Uh, and, it's, and it's thrown out in the opening in the narration. Saga cell, yeah. In the Saga Cell, yeah. The project observer. But other than Honeymoon Express, and I'm not even sure then, I think this is the first time that one of the characters in an episode actually Calls uses the term I am the observer. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I honestly don't know. I think you, you, you could be right because nothing else is, is jumping because out. Because I think like other than the saga cell. Yeah. They never, yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway. But, so yeah, then the police show up and and Reed is all like Christy, thank God you're safe. Um, uh, oh wait, well, there is no, one no, other no, thing no, though. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back yeah. up here, yeah. So, uh, uh, this is where, this is where full disclosure. This is the point of the night. Last night watching the episode, my baby started <laughs> crying, got a little distracted. My note taking got a little sloppy. So basically, while they're holding the yeah the the, the sheriff and his deputy are there, they got their guns pulled. Reed's there as well. This is when Bunny's trying to explain why she did what she did to get, you know, because Sam, at this point, he he's sort of conflicted. Like, sure. do I do I really actually resist arrest here, or do I, you know, yeah. do I hand the baby over and this is I call it a day? And this is when, um, you know, Reed's like, her mother's dead. Christie's mother is dead. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, Bunny's not a babysitter, despite what she said. You know, Sam's like, Sam can't believe that she's lied to him again. Now she doesn't believe. Yeah, you know, he doesn't believe her about any of this sort of stuff. Yeah, so he's like not willing to to risk her uh, doing all these sorts of things. Um, and it's at that point that he <laughs> he says, because Al uh, like Al says something about resisting arrest or whatever like that. Sure. And then Sam says something about like what am I supposed to do? Grab the gun. And that's when Buddy takes it to mean. Oh, you want me to grab his gun? gun? So she yeah. does. And at that point, it's like, well, now, you well, know. Oh, now we are. And I love Tiny. We're going to call him that because you named him that. Well, T- uh, yeah, grabs a gun. Ah, oh, jeez. Yeah. And then, and then he tells him where the cop car is. He That's a great like, moment. It's, yeah. like, it's like, oh, man. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, Sam Sam handcuffs him. Yeah. And, and, and they 
and they make their way out. Yeah, this, yeah, this, this is where we get point, a roundhouse kick. Yeah, we get a roundhouse kick. To Reed. Right yeah. Right. And then at this point, though, as they're leaving, Reed pulls a gun and fires at them as they're escaping out the back. Yeah. And we get this great moment from the sheriff when the sheriff turns and looks at him and he's like, you're shooting at your own baby. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. Like, there you go. Let's also just reflect and pause for a moment that this entire time in a bar where <laughs> Bunny is doing a burlesque act, they've got the baby sitting there. People are smoking, drinking, like... Yeah. <laughs> it just tickled me as well. It long. does, yeah. You know, the 60s. Nah, you know. You know. What do you do? Anyway, um... So yeah, they make their way out. Uh, they steal the car. Yeah, steal the, the they, cop car. Yeah. The cop car. Yeah, Reed hijacks a guy in his Corvette, pulling up, uh, and then in the backseat like make it. This is they're on their final stretch now. Yes. Uh, this is when Al gives an information, an info dump. Yeah. And it turns out, yeah, Bunny was telling the truth all along. He did like this cross check between Margaret, Margaret Dalton, and everything in New Mexico, and it turns out Reed. Dalton is an alias. He's actually Reed Cole. Cole. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And that's funny. Like I had totally forgotten that that Reed Dalton was an alias thing. Like I just remembered his name was Reed Cole. Yeah. In this episode. Yeah. I go ahead and drop it here because it jumped out of me because uh, Roger Ebert used to do these great. Uh, I can't remember. It was like one or two books or a series of books about movie tropes mm-hmm. uh, and cliches. And one of the books, like, he had his own, but then he also included, like, uh, entries that people submitted to him. Yeah. And and one of the entries in this, like, book of, of movie tropes or truisms or whatever, one of them was like, there's never been a movie made featuring a character named Cole that was worth a damn. <laughs> what about Days of Thunder, <laughs> damn it? <laughs> Uh, oh, so that's why. What, so that's why this episode and the fact that this character's name was Cole has always—that's very funny—has always jumped out at me. Yeah. So, but but it's great because Al, you know, in giving this info dump, you know, we learn that you know Reed conned a bunch of people out of money for real estate. He's wanted. Yeah. So so right away, like coming into you know New Mexico, it's sort of like they've got this ace up their sleeve where it's like now Reed is in a state where he's wanted for a crime. Um, and, uh, and, 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 oh, the address bit. There's this bit about the address. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Al's like, no, this is the address. If you go to the address that Buddy's telling yeah. you, you end up at like a, a factory. A or factory, something like that. yeah, yeah. Power, power and water or something. Yeah. So the address she is giving is 7232 Mesa Avenue. The address Al is giving is 4232 Mesa Avenue. Yes. We find out she forgot to subtract 30 for her age. And apparently at some point she had told Sam that. She was 27. She was, she was 26. 26, 26. 26. Yeah. Yes. Which leads us to a very, very funny discrepancy yeah, we are, that we yeah, discovered we, on the internet yeah, about Julie Brown. Before we hit record, uh, on IMDb, she, her birth date is listed as... August 31st, 1954. On Wikipedia, she's August 31st, 1958. Which is a four-year four four year difference. difference. What a coinkie ah, You want to know something that's interesting about that? Anybody can edit Wikipedia. They can I don't know if just anybody can edit that information on IMDb. Ah, uh, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. Speaking of, last night I saw she my... bump her age. Down. <coughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, 
last night I actually found myself on the Quantum Leap wiki correcting some little grammatical mistakes. You're a beautiful man. <laughs> Just correcting little grammatical escapes here and there. Uh, uh, on the on mistakes, not escapes. But anyway, uh, like on the first page, I made a comment that all the people who could see Al, they referenced the mentally... They said mentally ill, mm. which is not exactly correct. No, so no, I, no, no. Yes. No. Yeah. Uh, intellectually disabled is the proper term, which I learned after we recorded Jimmy. Anyway. No, that's good to know for future. Um, um, but I, it's, and this also plays into, like, I was watching the episode last night, and to me, like, I'm 38 now. You're close to... 36, yeah. Yeah, you're 36. I just, like... And it, it, it's this horrible thing of like, why do we make women lie about their age? And it's like, what the what the hell is the difference between twenty six oh, and thirty? And so it's horrible. Dumb. It's massage. It, it's misogynist. It's, it's the patriarchy. It's bullshit. But like, I was watching that, la- and it's like, I hit a point after my thirties. I don't take you seriously until you're thirty. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. I. Yeah, yeah. No, it you know it is that it is. It, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's such a weird thing because I I guess I I've just never really even thought about it much. You know, I mean, there's an age difference between Jess and I, but it was also one of those things where it it I just didn't. I don't. I don't know. You know, there got to be a point. There got to be a point when I reached probably around like. 22 or 23, like shortly after I got out of college. Sure. It's like, well, clearly I am not going to date anyone under the age of 21 ever, you know, again. Like, that's just not happening. Um, But then I think probably somewhere around the time that I, you know, that I reached like 30, I was just sort of like, eh, they might even have to be a little older than that. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Like, like I, yeah, it's never been a thing for me where it's like, I, you know, they have to be young or like, you should be eternally young. Yeah, I don't, yeah, because like I said, like, me, it went away where, and, and this is a story that maybe you'll go back and edit out later, but I was thinking about it last night. Like, uh, at the party where Betsy and I had met for the first time, where I had went because the mutual friend who set us up, like, we knew, like, there, there was a little bit of interest between us. Yeah. But we didn't know yet. But, you know, she would talk to me for a little bit, and then she would flit away and go play hostess because the party was at her place. And so I didn't really know if she was interested in me or not. Meanwhile, I started talking to this other woman at the party and and we kind of hit it off, and then when we got ready to leave for the night, it turns out that that me and this other woman lived in the same neighborhood, so we ended up taking the same bus, like back to our neighborhood and going home. Oh, interesting. And so, like, yeah, as as we're talking on the bus, I'm like, okay, I went to meet this other woman. It's a little weird, but they were, were kind of hitting off, whatever. Okay. And then, yeah. Then somewhere in the conversation, she drops that she's 24. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm 32. Mm-hmm. And a switch just immediately flipped in my brain. I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. And it created an awkward situation because, like, we got off the bus and we walked several blocks and then we got to my place and she lived a few blocks further. And by this point, it's like 1230 in the morning. Yeah. And I offered to walk her to her place just because it's 1230 in the morning and a safety thing. And she said, no, 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 that's okay. I- I'm fine. It's just a couple more blocks. We said goodbye. And, like, there was clearly, like, it was at a point where the logical thing to do was for me to ask her for her phone number. Yeah. But I decided I wasn't interested because of the age difference. And so I didn't ask her for her phone number. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, uh, okay, I, I guess I'll see you around. And, and then we just parted ways. Sure. And then after I got home, I, I put it together what this must have looked like from her side. 
that I tried to walk her home. Oh no! And oh, no. and then when she didn't let it happen, I just blew her off. And since I wasn't, and since she wasn't interested in a hookup that night, that you weren't interested in that her I was that I wasn't interested in her at all. Yeah. And so yeah, long story short, through through another mutual friend, for a while she thought I was a creep. Okay. Uh, and to that mutual friend, like months later, I explained to her like like the, the story I just told. Like this right, is what happened. Right. This was my thought process. And me and that woman, we never, like we never talked it out. But the next time I saw her after I told our mutual friend that story, we were cool. Yeah. And then now we're cool. Like we run into each other. Like you know, we, you know, we, sure. we talk and we're fine now. But for a few months, she thought I was a creep. <laughs> Because of those circumstances, that's such a. The, the, I mean, honestly, the, the 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 sexual politics of all of that, and when it comes into you know age and and just reading you know each other in the moment and and throwing all of that into the blender of of today's society, it just it's there's communication, communication, communication. I don't know. Right? Yeah, you know? I know what they're saying like I didn't I didn't know how to say I'm sorry. I'm eight years older than you. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is the next relationship I get into, I wanted to go for the long haul. And since you're younger, I assume that maybe you're not ready for that and you want to date around. You're a really nice person. I'm not interested. Because had you said all that, (laughs) that would have been the most awkward fucking moment ever. Yes. Because it would have just been like, Okay, like you know, like how is like how is someone supposed to react to that? So it's it's, yeah, it's 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 sort of like it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of thing. You know, I I think you 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 handled it well. Yeah, obviously it turned out for the best. It turned out fine, and yes, it turned out fine. I married Betsy. She's married to a great, wonderful guy now. It all worked out. But thinking of speaking of things working out for the best. But real quick, just to add as a as a quick little addendum to that though, and to tie it back into the episode, I think that. You know, that focus on age mm-hmm. and that, you know, striving to be younger or appear younger uh, and the pressure that has been put historically mostly on women, although I would argue that in this day and age, there's a lot of pressure on men to do that as well now. Okay. I, I, I think that we live now in a day and age where there are a lot of men out there um, that that have pressure to look a certain way. Um especially like in, in Hollywood sure. and, and you know what I mean? And I, it's not necessarily, I want every man to look 20, you know, which is, I think the pressure that a lot that gets put on women. But mm-hmm. I do think that there is a pressure that is put on men to, you know, age gracefully. You know what I mean? Yes. Like be like Paul Newman. Don't be like Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I mean, that's, that's just a philosophy for life. <laughs> yeah. Right. And not just looks, but, but, but across the board. So for Bunny to have done that makes a lot of sense because oh, of God, this, yeah. what we've learned about her character anyway. Yeah. Um, and that and that using that to, you know, she clearly she feels vulnerable around men. And, you know, what not to psychoanalyze Bunny, but she she takes her clothes off for a living. Mm-hmm. So what better way than to just kind of expose herself and, and realize that that's going to happen anyway than to just do it and get it out in the open and get paid to do it. Yeah. She's obviously bent the truth about a lot of these things. Mm. Um, you, you know, she, she's always trying to appear to be something that she's really not quite. Um, so of course she's going to lie about her age. Yeah. You know, 
Um, and it, it, it is a sad thing that I mean, like, like, yeah, once you hit thirty, you're not, you know, you're thirty-year-old woman, you're not viable anymore. I think even our current president has made some comment in the past, something to that effect. I hate him. Ah, yes, me too. Luckily, at this anyway, point, I feel like I can say that because most of our listeners, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if we were going to turn off any listeners when it come to that, like, yeah, we, we, a while we, ago, we so. lost them. Yeah. Anyway, so, anyway, um, so we finally get to so, they, so he, yeah, so we get to four two three two. We go to the right Avenue, address. Yeah, but 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 Cole Reed is catching Reed up. Reed Cole. Reed Cole. That's it. Yeah, Reed Cole is catching up. <laughs> yep. Uh, in 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 the Corvette. Uh, so they get pulled up in front of the house. They're yep. not ready, and this is when we see like somehow he Cole Reed. has gotten up silently behind them, and he is walking up, and Sam can see him in the side view mirror. He's got the gun. Mm-hmm. There's there's this tense moment. Mm-hmm. Sam does some quick thinking, turns on the the light, yeah. the side light, the mirror light there. Yeah, uh, shines it in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Slams open the door. Yeah, um, you know there's about to be more of a confrontation. The cops pull up. Cops pull out the gun. Sam, at this point, does Sam have a gun at this point? Sam does have yeah. a gun. Yeah, yeah Sam's yeah, got yeah, a gun. Because yeah. the thing, yeah. like, he, he slams the door open and then he pulls his own gun out. Right, because yeah, he, he had two guns at yeah. one point. And yeah. This, yeah, and this is when the cops pull up. And you think that there's a tense moment. I think, like, Cole even actually says, like, hey, they, they stole my baby, whatever. And the, the police officer is about to move in on Sam, and then he recognizes... Yeah, Reed. Reed Cole. Reed Cole, and that's all you need to know. You so some bitch, show yeah. your face around here again. No, he doesn't say that. Yeah, um, but, but there, yeah. So there is that moment there. Um, that, you know, uh, Reed is 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 getting arrested instead of Bunny and Sam. Um, you know, Bunny doesn't want to give Christy up. It, 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 there's there's this moment where she's very upset. You know, mm-hmm. she's crying, or Julie Brown is trying to sure. cry. Um, <laughs> And then uh, they get up to the door. There's this uh, line um, that apparently our dear close personal friend Matt Dale really likes. Yeah, that I could take or leave. Quite frankly, about yeah. how you know. Do you think she'll remember me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, remember you in your heart. It's like okay, um, it's cute. It's fine. Sure. Uh, and they, you know, Margaret's standing there in the doorway. Um, they give Christy back. Margaret's got the baby. She smiles. Um, Sam puts his arm around Julie. And then, yeah, buddy. Buddy, yeah, and then leaps. And that scene where they like hand the baby over and mm-hmm. Sam's got his arm around her is, is, is fairly, you know, within the realm of Quantum Leap television. It's fairly iconic because it's used in the credits. A lot. Yeah, a lot, a lot in the yeah. credits. So, uh, it's an economy it, of storytelling. Yeah. Yes. Just that one shot. Right. Handing a baby over, putting her like, we've done a good like, thing. Clearly he did something right there. Yes, yeah. yes. He has yeah. put he has put he has put right or wrong. That's right. He's he's righting wrongs, leaping through time. Yeah. Listening um, to Buddy Holly. Yeah. Two Buddy Holly songs in this in this uh in this uh, one. Maybe we baby. get Maybe Baby and True Love Ways. The thing that's interesting to me about True Love Ways is that was actually one of Buddy Holly's uh latter songs. Mm-hmm. In fact I'm fairly certain that it might have been released after he died. Okay. Um, or it was one of the last releases before he died. Sure. Um, 
but it was when he was starting to experiment in the studio a lot. Mm -hmm. And it really gives you a picture into uh, more than any other song I think that he released of what he was kind of going towards. Sure. Because he was starting to work with overdubs a lot. He was working with production and and strings and and horns and you know and it was no longer just a guitar bass and and drums and this you know rock and roll music in a made in a Texas garage you know he was really mm-hmm. starting to branch out um there's a lot of evidence in in the final days of of his life in particular and we can easily tie this into quantum leap because of how the test was won uh but there's a lot of evidence towards the end of his life that uh he was really he was on the verge of being something way bigger than anybody could have expected mm. and doing things that quite frankly, the only people that would really ever get to do, uh, after he did like kind of do it first would be the Beatles. Hmm. Like he was working in that, in that headspace in like 1958 okay. when they didn't get there until like 1965. Mm. He was a genius. Okay. And you, I, I had a question that I was going to ask you and I think you just answered it was like, if Buddy Holly had not died, yeah, would, would he be remembered today like like Elvis Presley is remembered, like the Beatles are remembered, or would he have just been more of a footnote? I think he would have. I think he would have absolutely been remembered like mm. they are. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not. I don't want to say that he would have eclipsed either one of those sure. two acts. Um, but I think he would have done some things that were pretty special and very different. Hmm. It'd be very interesting. To, to see where he would have gone. Some people, some people theorize that he would have stepped further away from actually singing and performing and done more like producing and songwriting. Mm, okay. I don't know if I buy that, but, but he seemed to enjoy the performance stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right. But anyway, so Sam leaps. He does. And then we get a weird, uh, we get a weird leap into Starcross. Dr. Gerald Brown. Right. Yeah. We've leaped into a rerun, uh, but it's interesting because they mash up both the quick cut and the actual episode footage yeah together it's it's interesting that the the time that they took for that yeah right cuz it is it's a different yeah it's a different cut i don't yeah I, I, that see questions like that would be interesting to get an answer to mm-hmm. you know but i mean that's the thing like i would really, like do you, you talk to the episode of the director the editor was that a decision made by the network well i think you pick up your phone and you call Don Belisario right now. Sure. And we'll get him on the line. You know, and we'll uh, ask him. We, we follow, we follow him on Twitter. <laughs> I don't think he's actually, he, he does have a Twitter account. I don't think he's actually yeah. very active. Well, is Troyan? Maybe on, we can, maybe we can get Twitter. to him through his daughter. Maybe through there. Now we're just creepy. That's down. awful. I don't know. I don't know. We've, we've, we've finished the episode. Yeah. Um, final, final thoughts on this one? <sighs> you know, much, much like, um, Leaping in without a net, I, I think there's nothing wrong with the episode, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that it's it's good, um, but there's also nothing remarkable about it. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I, maybe I feel that this season has set the bar pretty damn high a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So when it doesn't get there, it's not necessarily that I'm disappointed. I'm just I just know that I'm not as engaged. As I was during other episodes. Got it. Like you heard how passionate I got about Goodnight Dear Heart. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Sure. Like so so coming off of like an episode like that, or even because I feel like in some ways these are kind of like you know, fun episodes, good episodes, but looking at an episode like Good Morning Peoria, which is 
again, might not necessarily be considered a remarkable episode. There's something mm-hmm. that still, it, it, it feels like it's a cut above the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and neither, and neither this episode or leaping in without a net feel like they're a cut above the rest. They don't okay. feel bad by any means. They're mm-hmm. certainly better than like Americanization. Of <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. They're better. They're also better. You know, they're also better than a lot of first season episodes. What I would say is that, and Matt even mentions this, I think, in his book, about how they feel closer tonally to some of the stuff we saw in the first season, but I feel as though they're better mm-hmm. than those first season episodes. That makes sense. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know, I don't know if I agree that they tonally match up with the first season. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's more the genre bending thing. Maybe it's For like the sure. tone. It's the yeah. yeah, and to me, like either one, like I don't see how these uh, this episode and Leaping Without a Net are, are necessarily genre shows. Sure. Um, I don't know, like like I said, like they're they're not mythology episodes. They don't reinvent the wheel or anything, but they are. But they are perfectly good episodes. Like, you just want to sit down and enjoy an episode of Quantum Leap. Yes. But you don't, you know, you don't want to have your heart ripped out. You don't want to think too hard about any social issues. If you just want to sit down and enjoy a couple episodes, these are good episodes. Yeah. 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 But next week, we dive into... Seabride. Seabride. I mean, I I have not watched Seabride in several years. Yeah, me either. Uh, And I kind of recall previously watching it like not it not being one of my favorites just being kind of bored with it yeah uh which is why i'm interesting to watch it because as we've been doing this podcast it's those episodes that i'm bored and not really interested like i remember being bored and not interested in mm-hmm. upon the rewatch getting ready for this i'm like i find something in there that now is uh as an older person surprise that, you a little that bit. i enjoy so well you know it does have a couple things going for it mm-hmm. chief among them is written by deborah pratt okay so you know she very rarely steers us wrong mm-hmm. um this could be a time she does i don't know okay. she also she she did play Troyan, so there is that what she wasn't good man <laughs> <laughs> this is why she doesn't talk to us on Twitter. I'm no, no. Damn it! Now that you've mm. said that, I feel awful. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, hey! You are the chief editor. You can. <laughs> oh, I'm leaving it in. Are you kidding me? I'm too lazy to edit that out. Um, All right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So uh, see you right next time around. Um, thank you, everyone, very much for joining us. Uh, we we really appreciate it. We're continuing our journey. We're close. Uh, to finishing we, up season two. Yes. Jumping in into season three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, man. We've been, we've been, we've been going at this for a little while now. We have been. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. So, uh, speaking of, uh, of other things, if we have some rare people out there like you who are, are, are quantum leap slash wrestling fans, where they can, oh, where, where can they find info about your, your wrestling podcast? So it's called. You are so damn modest about the stuff that you do. It's called King of Pro Wrestling. Um, 
It uh, we we have a uh, a website. It is kopw seventy two dot podient dot co. That's podient p o d i a n t. Of course, you can also just give us uh, a look on Twitter. We're at kopw seventy uh, two. Recently, I actually did score an interview with one of the field producers for the Andre the Giant documentary that aired on HBO, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, really cool guy. He's a um, uh, from Montreal, um, Pat Laprade, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun talking to him about Andre the Giant and, and just hearing about the making of the documentary in particular. Um, obviously, it, uh, Dennis, uh, I don't know, I don't think you've mentioned this on the podcast before, but Dennis actually went to school um, with a wrestler who uh, I was with briefly over this past weekend. Uh, her wrestling name is Leva Bates. Leva Bates, and, Blue uh, Pants. That's right, and we'll uh, tag you in the post on this. We want to get you to guest star on uh, Heart of a Champion, yeah. the wrestling episode. Yeah, next which she she said she was game for. She actually joked. Uh, I joked with her that uh, I thought because she does one of her gimmicks as a wrestler is she does cosplay. So she always is cosplaying as someone new. And recently, she's uh, uh, the tag team champions of Shimmer, which is mm-hmm. pretty much one of the largest uh, uh, independent women's wrestling sure. organizations in the country. And she. Um, and her partner Delilah Doom are the tag team champions right now. So they've been cosplaying together. And uh, this past weekend, I was telling Dennis, they cosplayed as Doc and Marty from Back to the Future. <laughs> uh, and so Dennis and I had joked about this many moons ago. So I ran it by her when we were chatting that I thought that they should cosplay as Sam and Al. Uh, she was worried that, that you know not everybody would get it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna see if we can't change her mind because yes. I still think it'd be I hilarious. Because yeah. the other thing she has, the entrance music is also whatever that that theme music is. Sure. So like you know when they did the Back to the Future, they came out to like you know it started off with like the Back to the Future theme music and then went into Huey Lewis. Parallel. You know, yeah. Back, back. No, it was Back in Time. It wasn't. That makes more yeah. sense. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's my that's that's kind of my other my other passion, um, and uh, and I've been we we've you know released, I don't know, four or five episodes uh, already. Damn. I know, I know. Well, it's because there was just so much going on with WrestleMania and everything. We felt like we needed to cover that. And you, sure. th- you think you and I talk for a long time. Like, oh, man. Oh, yeah? Oh, God, it was like over four hours long. I had to cut it into two episodes. Damn. Yeah, yeah. All right. It was a long weekend. It was like I was sure. 20 hours of wrestling or something. For sure. Anyway. Yeah. Now that Dennis has thoroughly embarrassed me and I've had to talk about myself for longer than I feel comfortable with. Ah. Uh, <sighs> You can always find us, however, at Fates Wide Wheel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or our website, fwwquantumleakpod.com. Beautiful. I love yeah. it. Thank right. you, Dennis, for being a master of social media. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, but yeah, uh, as always, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach us with uh, any of your questions, comments, critiques, hate mail, love letters, anything in between. We are both married men, though, so keep it clean. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But in all seriousness, thank you guys so very much. We are actually having a ton of fun with this, and um, you know, it's always nice to know that we're not just sitting here screaming into the abyss. So we really appreciate your listening and all of the uh, uh, discussion that, that we've been able to have with you guys so far. So uh, let's keep it up, and um, we look forward to... See Brad. Yeah. Next week. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. We're leaping out. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, 
Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time. I want to stay, I want